0: It's time's holding, on, holding on, holding on, to you. Time's holding, on, holding on, holding on, to you. So
1: You're listening to The Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark.
2: Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of The Noise Cancelling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce.
3: And this is Axel Clark.
2: We are very glad to have you on the show. Today, we are running back politics with our global, national and uh galactic at some point in the future if we get to enough podcasts uh correspondent and director of all things political uh trevor is on tonight so say hello trevor
1: hello thank you for having me
2: what, what's interesting is the the first time you we were on we had we had met like years back and we didn't even remember meeting but now i really feel like we, we've grown much closer since then
1: we frequently text about what we read on twitter we're we're the best of friends now
2: 140 characters at a time yes absolutely the best friends that you could be when you only can type 140 characters
3: you guys are proving that you can have a a a deep conversation on twitter
1: (laughs) yeah most of the time it's through memes (laughs) yeah
2: we try to try to keep the memes going What's been uh, your favorite interaction on Twitter in the last month with you <laughs> no, or with not anybody? me?
1: Not me. Just,
2: just anywhere.
1: Um, so it's pretty interesting. Some of the people that are, uh, heavily, heavily involved with Twitter and whatnot and social media, uh, Montel Williams is, uh, recall Montel with the show. Remember the, the famous, uh, little talk show That's he a had, a um, so he's also a Republican, but he's like a reasonable Republican. So a lot of the times he'll be talking about things, uh, you know, on the far right and saying how it's kind of crazy and, you know, why don't you just be normal? So today I actually interacted with him when he was calling out somebody from the the Trump fanboy section and uh, we interacted a little bit together. It was pretty just
2: tweeting back and forth
1: yeah it's just basically like well there goes reagan's party and he's like hashtag you know it nice (laughs) Nice.
2: shout out to montel we have some um some questions for you today so so first thing i want to go back through some of the things that we haven't talked about in the last month and a half now um what are some of your takeaways from the early primaries
1: Uh, It's actually been a pretty interesting race on the uh, Democratic side with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Martin O'Malley dropped out the night of Iowa. Uh, He didn't get much headway, but it was a razor-thin contest in Iowa on the Democratic side, and Hillary Clinton actually pulled it out by uh, tenths of percentage points, which is pretty remarkable considering bernie sanders was relatively unknown nationwide and was able to make such a uh, a drastic push for the nomination then they moved on to new hampshire where bernie sanders won by a giant margin over hillary clinton and uh one of the things that was clear was his his powerful uh, message with college age kids Uh, they really came out to vote for him in New Hampshire so he did uh, really well with with uh, millennial voters and you know had a giant win and then uh, they recently had the Nevada or Nevada caucuses where Hillary Clinton won by I believe five percentage points and uh, kinda regained momentum going into South Carolina and Super Tuesday on March first. On the Republican side, it has been a doozy. With Ted Cruz taking first place in Iowa. Um, interesting to see Donald Trump not win after uh, being the winner of the of the entire uh, first half of the of the primary, and then they went on to New Hampshire and Trump cleaned up. They went to South Carolina, Trump cleaned up, and they voted last night, and Trump once again cleaned up. So he's got a commanding lead. Uh, I believe he's looking at 71 pledged delegates. Closest to him is 21 with Ted Cruz and 20 with Marco Rubio.
2: So Axel, have, have you been plugged into the election cycle at all? Or I know you swore off news for the year, but have you been following this?
3: So there was a point maybe three weeks ago when I was really getting into it and I was looking, digging into Twitter and reading all these articles. And then I realized... Oh, actually, you know what the article was that turned me off? Was the article uh, by Ryan Holiday where he was explaining that from his perspective, uh, like the media has just expanded the election cycle outwards to make more money and that really creating all this drama and hype and everything is just to create a longer news cycle so they can sell more advertising. So That was, was a th- great article. Well, so then I was thinking like, when I participate in this, that I'm just like fueling their reason to continue to um, have all this crazy excitement and controversy. And so at that point, I pretty much haven't looked at it Politics since, and I just did a little run through quickly uh, to prep for this. But uh, in general, I have not been looking at politics.
2: So, Trevor and I were talking a little bit before, and I was asking Trevor, you know, what, how can anybody take the momentum back for Trump? And so, I don't know if you wanted to elaborate a little on, bit on that, Trevor, um, if you think there's a chance.
1: Well, the question has been is Trump going to actually do anything during the election cycle it's then formed into okay he's won a few states let's see what happens when he goes to a more diverse state well they went to Nevada last night and he cleaned house so now the strategy has shifted from okay maybe this guy's kind of a joke to okay this guy's kind of serious to oh my god how do we stop him So now the different campaigns are pulling together talking points. You know, Marco Rubio keeps saying, well, 70 percent of the electorate doesn't want to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, but only 20 percent of the electorate wants to vote for you. So, you know, there's there's that issue at the end of the day, the establishment, the GOP is trying to consolidate the vote. They want people to get out so they can go one on one against
3: Trump are they backing rubio or cruz because like at this point don't they need to make a decision
1: the establishment i feel is leaning towards rubio unfortunately for ted cruz or fortunately for ted cruz he's been wearing it like a badge of honor that nobody in congress likes him or the establishment likes him and now you've got an anti-establishment juggernaut in donald trump and then you've got Ted Cruz, who was supposed to be that, and then you have Marco Rubio, who's the standard bearer these days for the GOP establishment. What's interesting is, in order for anybody to take out Trump, they've gotta win some states, and to date, only one state out of the four that have already voted has gone a different way than Trump, and that was Iowa for Ted Cruz. Um, On Super Tuesday coming up on March 1st, Texas will be voting, and that is the best bet for Ted Cruz to make a dent in Trump. Uh, He's actually leading by eight points in the latest uh, PPP poll. So we'll see how it goes. The The polling these days is really tough to judge. As far as Marco Rubio goes, again, they've been saying, well, second is good enough because at some point, it's going to be Marco Rubio versus Donald Trump. The problem for Marco Rubio is you actually get delegates in these contests. And right now Donald Trump has 71 and Marco Rubio has 20. So he's got quite a bit of work to do.
2: Yeah. Florida is going to be really huge for that. One thing I wanted to, I wanted to totally jump off the railroad tracks on discussion and, and, try to just brainstorm some out-of-the-box uh, debate strategies for the for the other two guys. The first one I'm going to pitch is uh, someone actually striking Donald Trump during a debate. Just right in the face. What are your thoughts? Go.
1: Well, I don't think that Marco Rubio... I'm not sure if he would have the stamina to do so. <laughs> if you guarantee- recall, he's always... He's always I, guarantee,
3: parched. I guarantee you, Ben Carson would make that move.
1: You said he would, or
2: would he? It?
3: Would he's not scared I, about things like that. He's tough, man. That hey would be. Guys. You're right. That would
2: be the move for Carson for sure.
1: Hey guys, I bet you wouldn't imagine me punching Donald Trump in the face.
2: <laughs> That's a good Carson. Yeah, I don't think it would work for Cruz because everyone hates him already. So it wouldn't really make him much more likable.
1: Speaking of punching someone in the face, at Donald Trump's most recent rally, he was, they had a protester thrown out, and he actually said, if I could, I would just punch that guy in the face. <laughs>
3: oh my God. Trevor, were those real tickets that you have for the Donald Trump show in Huntsville?
1: Yes. Yes, they are. They, you, uh, you should fly down, Axel. I procured two, that.
3: <laughs> and
1: uh, I will be in attendance. To, are you uh, taking
3: a date, or are you taking a friend? What's your plan there? First date. Well,
1: first date, do you <laughs> want to make America great again?
2: <laughs> that would be a great date. That would be S- hilarious.
1: Second question, do you want to go get dinner after? Third Check out this podcast where I talk about this <laughs>
2: podcast and chill featuring Trevor. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be huge.
2: <laughs> so my that, that was that was the craziest. I I was trying to think like what what else could you actually do to to shift
3: the discussion and, and be the, potentially more bombastic than you know than what, Trump dude Trump would Trump would have a bodyguard come in and just body slam that person and so first of all the it would probably look like a weak punch and then trump would dodge it and his bodyguard would just pummel that dude and then it would be a trump landslide (laughs) yeah that is true there's a lot of risk
2: there's a lot of risk
1: could you imagine if ben carson's secret service went up against (laughs) donald trump's secret service (laughs) (laughs) hey guys go get
3: him (laughs) Hey, so I, I have a legitimate question, and I read an art I read a headline before I went news blackout, political news blackout. So I was reading about how in New Hampshire, despite Bernie kind of beating Hillary in, a, I don't know a landslide, maybe you could say, they ended up with the same number of delegates, and that Bernie basically needs to like accept that. Hillary's going to get all the super delegates from the Democrat side. And then I saw like a quick video of the lady that's in charge of the Democratic Party or whatever. And she was. Yeah, so she was trying to explain how they could end up with equal delegates if Bernie got way more of the vote. And she basically was describing that we in the Democratic Party needed to set up a system so that a grassroots. Uh, a grassroots candidate couldn't come in here and get all these votes and she's like we and steal the Democratic nomination from the people in the party and the big players in the party that's what she was describing
1: well she's not the best at describing things <laughs> So, <laughs> um, well recall in 2008 Barack Obama actually lost a popular vote to Hillary Clinton but he won on the delegates
3: but if he went on the super delegates? like, did he...
1: That was his strategy, was to attack it from both sides with the grassroots movement and also getting all the delegates. The reason why they implemented that strategy is because McGovern, when McGovern ran and he got stomped, they want to not repeat that again. Allegedly, that's what they say. But at the end of the day, one of the things that's interesting is, and Bernie Sanders' campaign has been complaining quite a bit about superdelegates. At the end of the day, once the will of the people is heard, the assumption is, or the hope is that the superdelegates will shift to where their states had voted, which they're not bound by where they stand today, I guess is the point.
3: But somehow they already knew that they're gonna vote for Hillary, or is that just where they expected them to to vote?
1: Well the superdelegates are elected officials, so when you hear these people come out and endorse people, that's how you get your
3: super delegates. Okay. So does Bernie have a shot? No. So we get so we have a Hillary Trump <laughs> presidential uh election coming up i'm kind of excited to think that i'm a part of this I, i mean it's kind of like the culmination of reality tv and it's just it's kind of seeped into all areas and then now boom here it is in some ways i love it
1: maybe i was too quick to write off bernie i just i I just don't see his campaign doing well on Super Tuesday. And I think that'll be debilitating for his campaign. And I think he's got a great message. I think he's getting people excited. One of the things that I've talked to Frank about when it comes to Bernie is what's within the realm of the possible. Now, it's easy to say that that none of these things are going to happen because there's a Republican-led Congress, but at the same time, I'm not quite sure that the big banks are the root of all evil in this country. I think there's a lot more than the 1% that we have to worry about. And I'm not going to try to paint him into that corner as he's a one-issue candidate like the Clinton campaign has been, but I do feel that in every... Turn, whether it be racial, any inequ- racial, racial justice, one percent, whether it be, you know, pick your issue, it always falls back to the one percent and how the economy is rigged. And I think that he needs to do better at outreach and getting on the average voter's level, and tying in how the one percent issue is affecting them at the at their level. I don't think he does that very well.
3: So what you're saying is if he wants these Democratic superdelegates, he's to back off on the one percent.
1: I think he's gotta be-
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Because you're saying the super delegates are the one percent?
3: Yeah I may have been implying that or have been bought by the one percent. <laughs>
1: Maybe I, I think that, <laughs> I think that the super delegates uh, are serve the establishment candidate more than the grassroots candidate it's like you paid your dues
3: yeah right? they, well someone paid them <laughs> and so <laughs> and so they're gonna pay Hillary back
1: here's one of my Here's one of my takes on the whole money and politics thing. Do I agree with it? No. Do I think Citizens United is a disaster? Absolutely. Do I think that you can look at Jeb Bush and say, well, he had $135 million in the bank and he still got primaried? Um, It's really an issue in all of politics. Down-ballot races, state Senate, state houses, governor's mansions. That's where it really affects the political system as far as the money in politics when when bernie sanders supporters talk about well hillary was out speaking at goldman sachs and you know she's doing the bidding of goldman sachs now i'm not saying i agree with it or disagree with it what i will say is come november do you think that the republicans are going to be playing the i'm holier than you card and saying we're not going to take any money
3: that's what if it's trump that's exactly what he's going to be saying yep so
2: I've wanted to have a few fun questions but then I I did want to bring in a little bit more of a substantive debate because um, I feel like there hasn't been a ton of substance from from either side Uh, I would say Bernie's probably laid out (laughs) the most specific Uh, audacious, audacious would probably be the word for his plan and You know, to me, it feels a little bit like running for student council promising a pop machine type thing. But I want to dig into if if Trevor was running for president, what would his first hundred days, what would he be focused on?
1: Well, that's a good question, Frank. If I could legally run for president, which I cannot because I am a naturalized immigrant But if I could be President, first on my agenda would be to get rid of sequestration. If you recall the Budget Control Act from I believe it was 2011 where they put caps on spending and basically it was a drug deal, maybe that's not the right term, it was a deal to curb spending domestically. And also in other parts of the executive branch like the military and what it ended up doing was it ended up hamstringing government agencies and actually performing their duties Uh, I think both sides want to get rid of the sequester but I guess we'll just have to see if that actually happens the second issue I would tackle would be criminal justice reform only because I feel like there's bipartisan support for that in the Congress
2: I think both those would be huge huge steps forward Um, back to sequestration do you feel like if there was more bipartisanship in terms of budgetary planning do you think it would just become almost NA in terms of getting up to those deadlines where, you know, if, if you actually start start working or do you think we're just so deadlocked it'll just always be a fight to the to the last second to see who can delay it and get the most right until the end?
1: Well it just I, I find it interesting that the Republicans are all about the cuts to domestic programs but they're against cutting military spending and you'd you'd be hard-pressed to find a Democrat who could legitimately say yeah let's cut military spending wholesale because X like they would be voted out immediately because that's the one institution that we're not allowed to touch and one of the interesting things that I see when I see the Republicans and Democrats talk about defense, it's always, well, we're, the Republicans always say, well, we're going we're gonna to double spending and we're going to rebuild the military. But the question I've always had and will always likely have is we can continue to buy weapon systems at a high rate for billions of dollars and still have personnel that are not being dealt with, right? people that are deploying multiple times, people that are just constantly, year in and year out, coming home and going back, going coming home and going back, and I hear all these guys talk about that, and it always, to me, it always seems kind of interesting that we're willing to pad the pockets of these large defense companies, but not focus on the personnel and the, and the support that they need. I mean, look at the VA, right? Yeah. Some of these folks are more than happy to send people to war, but then complain when they don't plan for the VA when they get home. And, I, and I've always found that interesting, that we went to two wars during the Bush years and are mad that we weren't prepared with the VA when these folks come home. And it's always, it's always baffled me that they were unable to connect the dots on those two.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you think it's a, just a logical fallacy where they, they don't quite get that correlation or do you think it's, it's just willful, um, obstinance or they don't even want to get into that discussion? Like what, I guess I don't understand. It it seems to me like it would be a popular talking point to say, you know, let's, let's increase spending but let's spend it on our troops you know like that seems like a really you know for at least some candidates who may not have the same donor population that seems like that would be a really populist uh talking point
1: i'm still baffled as to why nobody's brought it up you know i know you and i talk a lot about marco rubio and you know how i feel about marco rubio but he's He's the standard bearer when it comes to Hawks, right? People love him because he's going to keep America safe and he's going to rebuild the military. And, you know, one of his talking points is the Air Force has the smallest Air Force since, you know, World War II, which is actually funny to think about. Um, And he says, you know, the average age of Air Force aircraft is 27 years old and the pilots that are flying it are are younger than the planes that they fly. And when it comes down to it, the world has changed and the types of wars that we fight are different.
2: Right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: But that's not something that they talk about. I mean, you can buy Predators and and Reapers for a lot cheaper than F-35s and F-22s. And that's just, it's always baffled me that that's been a talking point on the right that we're going to make America great by spending all this money on military programs and not the programs that matter, like supporting personnel, ensuring that they have access to education, ensuring that they have access to housing and different things like that. I've always found it interesting.
3: Is the VA underfunded or is it just poorly run?
1: I think it's a little bit of both.
2: It's definitely under under functioning, which I, I think has come from, you know, funding dips and jumps that are are not consistent. But it's definitely definitely understaffed for sure. that That's the biggest complaint that that I've heard from from physicians and physician groups is that there's just not enough not enough people working and too much need. So those those were your two biggest keys in the first hundred days. What else? Um, what else would you set on your agenda?
1: Well, my third key was uh, VA reform. Okay. So that, so that was one of them. Um, gun safety reform. You know, I think that's an issue that that we really need to tackle. And you know, there it's such a partisan issue. But it was just last week we had. Somebody driving around Kalamazoo, Michigan, opening fire on people while they were leaving restaurants, you know, and it just we need to be smarter about this and not just fall back to the politics as usual on this. We need to actually have an open dialogue on how we can curb this. And I think it's a little bit of both with mental health screenings and background checks.
2: Yeah, I agree. I've had some pretty heated discussions in the last three months with um, Second Amendment. Um, I don't even know what the word is, but that they they really will not admit to any change being acceptable. At which <laughs> it seems a little crazy. I bring up things like, well, you you can't have a cannon, you know, you can't have a shoulder-launched missile. So like, why why can you accept those regulations, but you can't you couldn't accept literally any other Regulation added to the book.
1: Axel, what are your thoughts being from rural Oregon? <laughs> well, hmm. I don't know.
3: I don't, I, I mean, I think, I don't know where the, I think in the news, assault rifles are the source of, uh, like killing and stuff like that or in murders, but I would bet that if you looked at the at the data, it's mostly pistols and handguns. So going after assault rifles to me is probably in reaction to a few headlines and not in reaction to the to the main data. And so when you spend all your political capital trying to take down the assault rifles, I think you're probably missing the main point. It's it sounds good to to the people that are uh, hold that position, but in terms of effectiveness, I'm not sure it's the most effective way. Now, I don't have I haven't looked at the data, but that's just my thoughts.
2: Trevor, in terms of you said gun safety, what what specifics um, would you be be looking at in general? Because I, from my perspective, I think there's, you know, we make cars safer, we try to make life safer in general. You know why don't we extend that same logic to weaponry? When we have, you know, many more advanced ways to control the own your own weapons that you have in your house, making sure they don't get into the wrong hands.
1: Well, I feel like there's a long arm, you know, of a of a certain constituency that has a very powerful group behind them that says that any any sort of safety regulation or anything of that sort is tyranny and challenging your second amendment rights you know smart things would be background checks for everybody purchasing a firearm i don't think that's too crazy you know i, I don't see it as infringing on anyone's rights um, Limiting magazine or limiting magazines the amount of bullets a magazine can hold, you know Um, There are different ways. I agree with Axel on the assault weapons ban. It sounds sexy to people who Want something to be done, but the vast majority of gun deaths in this country are Are done by small arms handguns and pistols um So to answer your question, I I don't know the right answer. It would take a dialogue with gun rights advocates to actually get them to understand and accept that there is a problem that's worth fixing.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think that's what's missing. Because every time something happens, you've got both sides retreating to their... To their battle stations and it's always the same argument and nothing ever gets done and the only way to actually force change is to talk to each other and I think that would be the first thing that I would do
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: isn't sure that the dialogue occurred
2: yeah that would be that'd be interesting to see, hear the or read the transcript from that dialogue uh, I want to get back to crazy debate ideas, because I, I have some bouncing around my head. How do you guys feel about water balloons? Water boarding? Water water balloons. Water balloons. Oh. Water boarding would be more of a Trump strategy,
3: apparently. I'm confused. What did I even? T- what you t- did I miss something?
2: <laughs> you might have missed that. Did he miss that whole question?
3: Water balloons
2: no wow well, were, were you listening <laughs> when i said what kind of crazy ideas strategies somebody could have during a gop debate oh. that might might throw trump off his game game oh, and game, him with a so water balloon yeah well the first one was punch him in the face oh okay so you, now you now must I see. not have heard that one
3: okay yeah. I, I got you i'm back
1: i don't think he would sign up for water balloons can you imagine his mystic tan coming off of his face if he got hit with a water That's balloon? That's what I
2: mean. It would be the best the best strategy to take. He, Marco could just pop up from behind his podium, knock him right in the face with a water balloon, and pretend like it didn't happen while he was and speaking. And then scurry
1: away like a little child. <laughs> when I'm your nominee.
2: <laughs> so you're saying no. You're vetoing that idea.
1: I'm going to. Th- so in my first 100 days, I would veto that. Okay.
2: Yeah. So what um, what strategies or what ideas that have actually been thrown out there by any candidate on either side um, do you feel most positive about?
1: Well, I don't want to look overly partisan. Sure.
3: Well, you've already trashed all the Republican candidates, so you, just keep, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just keep it going. <laughs>
1: um, you know I w- I'm an advocate for universal health care for all um, I think that the Affordable Care Act was a good step in the right direction uh, do I think that single-payer is obtainable for someone like Bernie Sanders I, I'm not quite sure uh, on the Republican side I'm trying to think of what I like <laughs> Have I, you I looked at any of the
3: tax plans? <laughs> I love that you tried to do that And act like you weren't <laughs> part of So that was <laughs> That was gold, I liked it
1: Have I looked at any of their tax plans? Yeah On the Republican side?
3: Yeah I have
2: There's a, there's a bit more nuance than I expected This time around
1: the, There is a little bit more nuance But I, I just, it all comes down to tax breaks that are going to benefit higher income earners.
2: How do you feel about the Trump, um, what's, what's the right word? The Southwestern United States, uh, stimulus package.
1: You mean as wall? Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I you know I think it's nonsense uh, I think th- this is the funny thing about Donald Trump that that and Axel and I have spoken about this many times and out and I'll tell you uh, the guy is a genius uh, in terms of marketing himself and selling a product to people which in this case is himself he's actually convinced 46 percent of people in Nevada that he is going to build a wall on the mexican border and have mexico pay for it and the most interesting thing about that proposition is the fact that his way of doing so is essentially a trade war where he he is going to sanction mexico he's going to Eliminate trade deals with Mexico for so that it's so painful for the Mexican government that they actually have to pay for this wall and Everybody knows that it's not gonna happen, but he's convinced people that it will and it's great and As far as that whole idea I Don't see it. It's not a feasible plan. It's not realistic and one of the most interesting things is Pope Francis was in Mexico and he went to the border and had mass and blessed the border. And on his way back to Italy, he said, basically I'm paraphrasing. You're not a Christian. If you build walls and don't build bridges, which is a metaphor, The way I read it was it's a metaphor, like you're closing yourself off and you're not opening yourself up to other people, whereas some people took it literally and said, well, Trump wants to build a wall. So. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I found it fascinating. Can I go back to policies that I actually do like? Yeah, absolutely. so I don't endorse Donald Trump's policies at all, but one of the things that I do like is the fact that he is anti-money in politics. You know, he's really against people buying elections, and I find that to be a breath of fresh air. It's like Bernie 2.0 without, you know, reason and accountability. Right. So that that's one policy I like on the Republican side that just so happens to be... From Donald Trump, Axel.
2: Have you guys picked up on the subtle trolling that Donald has been doing whenever a candidate starts getting a little bit closer to him, where he j- he just puts in little little nuggets of who he who he's targeting for his VP, and they, they always happen to be the guy that's that's starting to creep up on him.
3: <laughs> I haven't noticed it, but I love it. Dude. Trump is fascinating to me.
2: His pivot this week has been talking about how he he wants somebody more entrenched in the establishment. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> this guy is <laughs> incredible. He really is incredible. Like I I was it just happened to hit me. I was like, he's been doing this the whole time when Cruz was coming up. Um, who was the first one that he did it to? I can't remember, but he, this is the third time that he's done it now. And I'm just like, that is such a smart, subtle way to just show your absolute dominance to be like, yeah, I might consider that guy for, you know, I'll I'll be his boss. That's fine.
1: Yeah. He did it to Ted Cruz the first time he said, yeah, yeah, I would, I would consider Ted Cruz as my vice presidential candidate.
2: Yeah. Brilliant. So Axel, Axel, what, what else would you want to do in your first hundred days? obviously dj party in the oval office that would be that'd be pretty awesome axel has been fast on the trigger tonight <laughs> all right so <laughs>
3: <laughs> so <laughs> one topic i think that's interesting is this fbi court order to apple to unlock the iphone and I don't see. I I need to understand the the how the technology would work to unlock it. But in general, I I I like the Apple is pushing back on this. What do you guys' thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good that industry is pushing back more. Um, you know, for me personally, I was blindsided a bit by the whole NSA thing. And I, I think if, if they had been much more proactive and had really questioned what was going on, it may not have, I mean, it probably wouldn't have impacted it, but at least at least there'd be more confidence in in both sides from from my perspective.
3: So I was listening to this podcast and the guy was explaining that he was on the side of the FBI, and he explained that there's no room in your house that you could build that you could build and sit there and say with a hundred percent confidence that, regardless of what you do, the government cannot go see what you have going on in that room. And so his analogy was that that that's basically what you're trying to do with this encrypted cell phone. You're saying that I can create this area that I can do whatever I want to. And there, the government, there's no way the government can come in and investigate and figure out what's going on. So I think the problem is, so his point was you should be able to make a master key. Someone should have a master key to this room or that the government should be able to come in here and do what governments do in terms of keep people safe. But I think the problem is that potentially what you're doing is the problem is technology is scalable and so you're creating a master key, but you're creating a master master key that, that in like the with the, like within a few days, this master key can go out to everyone and then everyone everyone has a master key to every lock in the US. And I just didn't realize that that's overstating it. But I think that the scalability of creating this master key is different than a lock on a house.
1: One of the things that I noticed about this was Apple came out and said, well, this is going to create a backdoor. It's going to be a slippery slope. And the FBI said, well, it's only this one. And then a week later, there's reports that now they want Nine phones unlocked.
3: Right, I think it's 14.
1: So it just seems like, you know, Tim Cook came out and said, this is not a good idea because it's not just this one. And then it's reported a week later, okay, there's 14 more. I mean, that. So I could. So it's not just one.
3: I think it's an interesting debate because I understand the point of the FBI and that to keep people safe and to like, there's nowhere else where you can do whatever you want and keep the government out of investigating it. And so why, like why in this instance, why in this area are people able to say, it doesn't matter what the government does. You can't get into this area. You can't see what I have. But I think from a technology perspective, like what I was mentioning before, there's a, If the technology gets out, then the scalability of giving this backdoor to criminals, terrorists, uh, potential adversaries, large countries, I think that's a risk that's not present when you talk about getting into someone's house or some of these other uh, areas.
2: Yeah, I I guess I feel like that's kind of a convenient argument for for the government side to say like there's there's no place that the government can't go um <clears throat> and and the argument is based on you know physical limitations of the world where this new technology has come out that will allow for this you know i i guess i don't necessarily follow that that full train of logic that the government just has this inherent right to search everything and, and anything no matter what and and i get to this is a, a specific circumstance but like you said, this doesn't just apply to one phone. This this applies to all phones.
3: I don't know, but it's definitely this is helping Apple's marketing. Like like for sure, that's that is true.
1: Well, Google came out pretty quickly after and said, "We stand with Apple."
3: Right, because they didn't want to miss out on this marketing thing either. Because if they if Apple is gonna and Google were gonna give away, then that was gonna be prime opportunity for someone else to step up and say we're not going to do it and we're not even going to make it possible for us to be able to unlock these phones.
2: What did Blackberry have to say about it? Did, did they come out with any statements?
1: They did, but they were still working on their <laughs> QWERTY <laughs> keyboards. <laughs> you just so they're, sort of st- so, so they're still typing their message. <laughs> <laughs> Funny story about Blackberries since uh, we're off politics and onto the fun part of the program. Um, at my job, they, they decided that they're gonna give us new Blackberries. So they did a, a whole lot buy for Blackberries, and we got to pick which Blackberries we got. And uh, I've got an old school one from like 2005, so it's like the full keyboard, you know, pretty much a brick. It's pretty awesome. Lasted me a long time. So they said you can have this iPhone style one. So it's a touchscreen Blackberry. so pretty soon Blackberry will be typing on touch screens so they'll get it out a little bit quicker when they're responding to Google and Apple
2: that just seems like such a loss we'll miss you blackberry clicking along
3: I think they're coming back don't they have I think they, I read an article and they they're one of the people that have an encrypted phone
1: they do
2: so you think that's gonna impact a large enough share of the market that they can just hang around in that little niche.
3: I don't know. I I don't follow that market that closely.
1: Do you think the Blackberries will be deemed the phone for terrorists? Since they're (laughs) encrypted. (laughs) A (laughs) (laughs) counter-marketing campaign. (laughs) Do you really trust Blackberry (laughs) with your encrypted data? (laughs)
2: That would be some great corporate espionage. So what else, Axel? What other questions do you have? <laughs>
0: you
3: know, I, the problem is I don't care about it anymore. I'm like somewhat intrigued, but I, I'm i pretty, I'm right now I'm pretty into into coding and learning Rails, Ruby on Rails. And by pretty into it, I mean on Sunday I spent 14 hours going through this tutorial. <laughs> wow! So did you? You said you went to a meetup. Was that this week? It was last night. I went to a meetup. How was it? It was awesome. So everyone was there. But a lot of the people were working on side projects. So just little fun apps that they were building for themselves, and so I kind of got to see what, how people basically where people get their information, so what websites they use, how they, how they look at apps when they were talking about different add-ons, or in Ruby it's called, in Rails it's called Gems, <clears throat> where they search to find the add-ons, and kind of they gave me some advice on some different some different add-ons to check out, and then also we talked about, this is gonna get really geeky, but in, we talked about data modeling, and so like sketching out your different databases and how they relate to each other.
2: I'm tracking, you. and you said, so back to normal people talk, um, you said you had written your, or coded your first app?
3: Yeah, I finished, I finished and it's called, so the tutorial is called just Rails tutorial, mm-hmm. and you create a rough app that mirrors Twitter. So you can, post what they call micro posts that are 140 characters or less and then you can cr- then there are other people that that uh, could log in and you can follow them, unfollow them you have a, a page where it's both your posts and all the other people that you're following posts sorted by most recent so it's, it's a pretty cool app
1: I like it you haven't totally given up social media then <laughs> just just talking yeah. to
3: himself yeah well so that's what you do because to see how it works you have to see the database so to, so you have to well you write a program to create these people and you there's also a program that writes fake language for all of them to fill up their posts so you do basically create fake friends that you can follow and unfollow
2: I like that I wish I had more fake friends
3: so I I'm looking for app ideas. I've already got a couple a couple uh, a couple ones out there. My first project I'm working on is this so we have the fantasy a fantasy league of leagues. So instead of picking players, you pick teams. And so there's 14 different leagues, so NFL, Major League Baseball. We also have individual players in golf and little league World Series, horse racing. So we have some interesting ones. But the guy that, so obviously there's a bunch of information on this. You could, you could pick a ton of teams and then you have to track all the people who win the championship on top. So there's 14 teams and there's two leagues. So And this dude is my friend that's running the league. He's updating every single page manually with the HTML. And so my first real project is to try to code that so that it's, he just updates at one spot and everything happens. Wow, that would be sweet. That's that my, actually sounds pretty fun. Yeah, so that's the first one. And then also we do, so we have this waiver process. So if you want to pick up a new team, you you have to, you just send an email to him and then he emails the whole league. Well, anyone that's played fantasy football knows that you can, if you play Yahoo's fantasy football, you just click, hey, I want to drop this guy or, oh, I want to add this guy. And then it's all done on the website. So I'm trying to, that would be my next thing is to build an app so that it's not done via email.
2: When are you going to build in the betting aspect of it so you can have your own daily fantasy app?
3: So that's actually something that the one guy that that was at this Rails app, the meetup was working on, was a daily fantasy app. Because think about this. He was just explaining that you can almost treat NFL players like stocks because even through the off season, their value is increasing and decreasing based on news that's related to them. So yep. while they're not gonna have as wide as swings during the off season as during the regular season, you still could potentially treat players like stocks.
1: So like if, if and Peterson got a new contract, or was in a contract year and then hurt himself, then he'd be like a sell now because he won't play during the regular season kind of thing. Right.
3: But throughout the whole time.
1: That's pretty cool.
3: That was really interesting. So you could play Daily Fantasy even though the players aren't scoring any points. Because it's based on on what their value is for the upcoming season. How much you would pay for them in an auction league for the upcoming season. That's brilliant.
1: so you don't want to follow who the next leader of the free world is, but you,
3: (laughs) that's exactly right. I feel like they're very similar, but at least hold on. I, I, I'm going to defend myself. They're very, (laughs) they're very similar, except my experience with what I'm researching and looking into is positive. Whereas my experience with politics is primarily negative. So that's the difference. And that's why, that's what I decided. Hey, that's once fair. politics is positive, then I'll get back into it.
1: Well, the only way to fix that is to run yourself.
3: Well, that's a, could be a true point.
1: So, last time when I ended the podcast or my portion of the podcast, <laughs> I read, I read a few tweets. Um. Am I allowed to read a couple tweets for you? Let's do yeah. it.
3: We're exci- I'm excited for this one. This is so this is all the Twitter I'm gonna get for this week. I actually deleted Twitter off my phone. And my oh, you're iPad. I'm missing out. I'm gonna You're
1: missing out on gems like no, this. No, I'm not
3: because you're gonna read them to me. Alright, let's hear it.
1: <laughs> Donald J. Trump. At the real Donald or at real Donald Trump tweets. When Mitt Romney asked me for my endorsement last time around, he was so awkward and goofy that we all should have known he could not win. (laughs) Oh,
2: my That's just so mean. Why
3: why say that? Why is that necessary? He's brilliant, though. He's such a brilliant (laughs) trash talker because... There is such a nuance to the trash talk when he's basically saying he came begging me for my endorsement. And then on top of that, he piles on by saying he was awkward while he begged me for my endorsement. (laughs)
1: So here's the second one I'd like to share. Why would Texans vote for liar Ted Cruz when he was born in Canada, lived there for four years, and remained a Canadian citizen until recently? (laughs)
2: That is such a, that's another great troll of his to just like keep challenging people's stance as an actual candidate.
1: It's such a sick burn because when you sit and you think, like, when Obama got on Twitter, people were like, first president to ever get on Twitter, like, this is interesting. Mm hmm. now from the oval office president donald trump is gonna be like oh vladimir putin what a loser hashtag hashtag low energy (laughs) you know it's gonna be great like oh kim jong-un like nice haircut hashtag fail (laughs) like it's gonna be so good
2: now that i'm actually excited for i'm i'm totally on board with trash talking around the world and just throwing it throwing out (laughs) being kind completely (laughs) out the window I can't wait until
1: he's like oh Justin Trudeau Canada nice economy I bet you I can bench press more than you (laughs) like dude it's gonna be it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be great
2: he's he might be listening and writing some of these down for later because they're pretty good
1: you know little little did you guys know that I plan on endorsing on Sunday with my ticket in hand so
3: hey so you're going there on sunday yes i wish I'll i could be go. There. i wish i could oh, go
1: i will be there with a video and pictures did that
3: ticket cost you money
1: it cost me zero dollars oh so that's gonna be good
2: he's still talking trash about romney right now 18 minutes ago he quoted Romney should have been tough guy with Obama. He cowered and lost badly. He's not relevant. <laughs> oh, man. He's good. I don't care how you feel about it. You have to admit, he is good.
3: Oh, He's never on the defensive.
2: No.
1: No. I- I mean, just watch his debate performances when he he looked at Jeb Bush in the face and said, 9-11 happened on your brother's watch, but it's okay because we all make mistakes. Like, he actually looked him dead in the face and said it.
2: Poor Jeb. Please clap. (laughs)
0: Poor
2: Jeb. Oh, man. See, I think, I think Jeb would have been better if, if he had just completely melted down. I feel like his mediocrity is what really sunk him. Because if he could have just been more of a punching bag and done much worse, I think he could have gotten a little more empathy from people. That's my other out-of-the-box theory for uh, for somebody to try. To be the rope-a-dope? Just, just trying to be as bad as possible.
3: I think you could make an argument that Rubio well maybe not by design has somewhat taken that strategy uh not good enough to get beat on by trump too much yet but not bad enough to have to drop out
2: i mean that is where he started to get momentum is when he had the the robot breakdown um he he had that coding issue during the debate um that that axel could probably help out hey what happened there
3: (laughs) <laughs> didn't. oh no okay. Trevor oh, Trevor, let's oh, take
2: a minute to do that and then we can close this
1: so during the debate in New Hampshire Rubio's up on the stage and Chris Christie had like kind of needled him through the press he was saying you know this guy this guy doesn't know how to answer questions he's scripted you know just watch just watch he's very scripted and you know he's not he's not good at this, which was funny coming from Chris Christie.
3: Well, Christie's not scripted. He says whatever he wants.
1: So they're in the debate and Rubio used the same line within three minutes. He used it four times and it was, let's dispel with this rumor that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the reason why I can repeat that verbatim is because he repeated it verbatim. (laughs) And for an entire two weeks, that's all you heard was let's dispel with this rumor that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. (laughs) So... And it was terrible. It was painful. So he did it literally three times within a minute and 30 seconds. And Chris Christie was like, see, there you go. Canned speech. Nothing to back it up. Nothing to say. And he just sat there and looked just absolutely devastated. So since then... He's been more quote unquote open, but he's still
3: He needed a wake up call.
1: Well, he's a weak candidate and he's he's an amateur.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Where was that earlier when you're trying to be bipartisan? We didn't, we, we didn't we bring cut the through po- the nuance at the end. Yeah. We didn't bring you on to be our chief political correspondent to play to both sides. To- so let's hear let's hear what you think, Trevor.
1: I think Marco Rubio is vastly overrated it, it, it's it's interesting to me that the last great hope of the GOP establishment is this guy I mean really <laughs> this guy and agree or disagree with Barack Obama's politics he was a great orator and politician and these guys keep trying to compare Marco Rubio to Barack Obama and it's embarrassing there, there is no message that Marco Rubio puts off that is in any way, shape, or form a message of uniting anybody except for the small group of donors that he does their bidding for. I mean, it's an embarrassment. Um, I really don't like him. I like Ted Cruz more than he does, and nobody likes Ted Cruz.
3: Alright, before we wrap up, I want to, let's go around the around the room, per se, and let's do our our predictions for both. Should we do one at a time, Republican-Democrat, or should we do both at the same time?
2: Let's do one at a time.
3: Okay, so let's start, which one's going to be more, in, let's start with the Repu- or Democratic side. So I'll you start, first. I'll start, I think it's going to be Hillary. Super Delegates, thank you. <laughs>
1: it's frank
2: I, I think I'm, I'm going Bernard I think I think Hillary is so unlikable and entrenched and not willing to admit to any failures before um, I think people are just going to get tired of it and I think it's going to get to the convention and I think Bernie might have a chance
1: I think Bernie is going to get smoked on Super Tuesday, and he will drop out of the race by the end of March. Oh,
3: that's oh, a bold wow. prediction. Bold. I, that's I a was... really bold prediction.
1: And it's not going to get down to super delegates.
3: It's not. Boo! Yeah. Oh. All right. Let's move on then. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced. Does that
2: leave the Republican Party? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So I'm th- to me it's between Rubio and Trump and I think <laughs> I, I kind of love it but I think Trump pulls it off.
2: I hate to say it, but I think I think it's going to be a Trump landslide. I, I really can't you know looking when it was a, a month and a half two months ago I thought you know maybe if these guys can steal a couple states here and there, they might have a shot but especially the way that the states line up March first, it it really looks like unless something, some huge catastrophe, which he, Trump really seems like, nothing can bring him down. Like he, some of the things he's already said, if any other candidate said that, they would be completely owned. But the fact that he just doesn't apologize for anything that he says just makes him pretty tough on, proof You know, like he he really doesn't have a huge risk of flaming out. So I think. You know, after after March first is gonna just be it's gonna be impossible to stop him.
1: Um, Trump will probably win it, and he'll probably be the nominee. But a couple a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago, he did threaten to not run as a Republican. <laughs> And I will tell you that for sheer entertainment value, if he decided to go third party and let Rubio take the nomination <laughs> <laughs>
2: that would be amazing
1: it would be i i would I would love him dearly if he did it but I think he'll I think he'll I, I agree with Frank I think he'll win uh, just the way that the states line up um.
3: If, so yeah, i think work. two okay so two thoughts first of all i think that a hillary trump debate will be fascinating because it's pure substance and policy and hard, like hillary's going to bring hard hard policy into it and trump will have none of that absolutely none of that <laughs> and he'll just be all bluster and so that will be a fascinating debate
1: I can't wait till she talks about Social Security and he goes, I'm going to make Social Security great. It's going to be great. I just can't wait. I look forward to it.
2: That would be a great
3: debate if it happens. It's just like... That That would be the best debate. It would be, yeah. Well, I think that actually, Frank, if your scenario plays out, I think that gives Trump a chance of winning, of actually winning the presidency.
2: Oh, I think he'd win huge. I mean, like against Donald Bernie? Trump, huge against
3: Bernie. Yeah, yeah. That's why the super delegates aren't going to let that happen. Yeah, probably true. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are laughing. Axel's, about
1: na- Axel's name dropping the super delegates. If,
3: is it, it not true?
1: Shout out to the super delegates.
3: Hashtag hey, super keeping Dels. super Super keeping Trump out of the out of the presidency. <laughs> I like it. I, I I mean, he's right. Let's be honest, Trevor. He's right
1: about super delegates? Yeah. Well, they're not. I mean, they. I'm I'm not a Democrat or Republican, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, maybe he's right. It's true.
2: I I was implying your depth of knowledge in the political process in general, not not any sort of affiliation. Oh. But that was great. I I'm glad we went right at an hour again I think uh, you know I was hoping for an hour and a half maybe even two hours uh, could have even had a special two part but I, I guess until next time uh, Trevor do you have any have any final words for this episode
1: uh, you can follow me on Twitter at T Rayleigh 7 and fun things that the candidates are saying and usually uh, you'll get a few Frank and I describing the NFL combine and swag and other things.
2: Thanks Trevor. We're, we're always happy to have you back We're we're hoping to do a podcast in person with all three of us at some point, uh, this spring, maybe, maybe after things have, uh, cooled down or hopefully heated back up. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sign off. I'm, I'm
3: Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Go, uh, participate in the process. Keep a positive And, have a great week.
0: If yeah, I took the time, so I'd be afraid to step on out and ruin all the plans that I may live the life that I caught for. I feel it in my bones That there's plenty more left to go. is Mark-